Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Bert Deister and me, Jeremy White. Good morning. You stay cool this weekend? I'm going to try. What kind of beer are you brewing in 90-degree heat? Saison. Yeah. Saison. Or drinking. Yeah, drinking right. all the beer that I can't fit into a refrigerator in my basement to try to keep it safe. And yeah. That's your duty this weekend. Any beer that's out and is not in a cool, safe place, you must chill it and drink it yep. uh, by the end of the weekend. Last week we talked about uh, Brute IPA, like a champagne IPA. So if you want to find that, you can uh, you can find any episode on demand. And this week we're going to talk about White Stouts, uh, which I had run into for the first time. And... Uh, it's interesting. We'll talk about that. But before we do that, um, we are in the thick of summer. You guys are closed on July 4th. Yes, we on are. On so Wednesday, we're July Wednesday, 4th. We're open regular hours Tuesday and Thursday. Though. Okay. So any other day that you need to get in, if you get the long weekend, we'll be there Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Very good. Uh, for summer brewing supplies, drafting supplies. We have everything in stock. And we're starting to see a lot more movement on that as we get into the summer. So if you're looking to get a draft system, a jockey box, anything like that, we have you covered. If you've got an old kegerator that needs repair, bring in what you have. We'll take a look at it and see what needs to be replaced. We can certainly set you up with a cleaning kit or new lines or whatever you need to get going for the summer. All right. We also have wart chillers, oh. and as we Which talked you will about need today, yes, and the the Keg King Mark III brewing controller. So if you're trying to brew in this heat, once you're done, once you get the beer down to temperature, you're going to have to have some way to keep it at that temperature. So having a refrigerator with a thermostat is big at this time of year. Uh, you can really kind of save some batches because you can put all this work into it on brew day, go to bed, wake up, and if your beer is 80 degrees, you're going to have problems. You want to control that temperature. So get a controller, get an old you know refrigerator off a of Craigslist, um, and you can brew in any weather. All right. Uh, so work chillers, brew pumps, brewing controllers. Um, you've got everything. We, we've gone over the, what you've got the last couple of weeks. Uh, anything that's been flying off the shelves in the last two weeks? Work chillers. Work chillers. <laughs> Big brew pots and the keg controller, the the Mark III. Um, I mean, not really a surprise with the way we're getting this heat, with a lot of brewers wanting to brew in the summer outside on the patio. Um, these kind of things become a necessity. Um, so if you didn't have one already, you know, we, we have the complete setup for outdoor brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other than that, we are definitely want to get to it a little bit later in the program. We see, we see the ingredients change more. So you start to see less hoppy beers, more, you know, wheat beers, saisons, Belgians and stuff like that as people try to combat the heat and, you know, make a little bit different beer. We also see a lot of people starting to bottle their wine for some of the same reasons we're talking about, trying to hide away any beer that you have in an area that might be a little bit too warm. A lot of winemakers who are trying to get carboys put away in the corner of the basement or trying to get them bottled and put into the wine cellar are coming in to bottle like crazy right now before we get into the heat of the summer. Yeah. All right. Well, anything you want to find? Open today, closed tomorrow, and closed on Wednesday, which is uh, the 4th of July. All right, so let's talk about White Stouts. Um, I came across a White Stout not knowing really what it was. Maybe I've had one before and it was called something else. I mean, Mm -hmm. what is a White Stout? Well, there's a couple different things. So, I mean, we look at the word stout. In in modern brewing, we've begun to associate stout with a light-bodied beer that's packed full of roasted grains, giving off this chocolate and kind of you know, coffee-like flavor. 
Um, and really, we're kind of fitting the textbook definition of Guinness, which is really great marketing on their port. They kind of shamed high the word, uh, you know, stout. Um, so what they did is they started this big, you know, global marketing campaign, marketing their beer. Um, and so we always have kind of associated stout with, you know, roasty <clears throat> Irish beers. Um, but that doesn't always fit the kind of traditional definition of stout. Um, it didn't always mean coffee flavor, back beer. Sometimes it just meant a stronger version, much like we use the word imperial okay. now. So you could get a stout port, you could get you know a stout IPA or something like that, and it would be a bigger, kind of stronger version of the original beer. And so that kind of fits to the, the original um, definition of it. And, and some brewers are kind of taking it back to that old meaning. We have, the, I think, the classic when you say white stout um, is Durham Brewing of England makes a quote-unquote white stout uh, that would really kind of fit in really well with a lot of West Coast IPAs. Um, it's a big, like almost English strong ale, very light in color, um, and kind of given a heavy dose of actually American Columbus hops, I found out, to give it a little bit of resinous bite to it. So their um, stout sits at 7.5%, 70 IBUs, and has no roasted, toasted, smoky, coffee, chocolate character to it whatsoever. Um, and if you say, well, why aren't they calling this an IPA? Because they already have an IPA, you know what I mean? And they're not going to call everything an IPA. So yeah. this, this is kind of um, this, you know, white stout or light strong beer um, is kind of what they're usually talking about in England. But you can find other versions of a white stout um, and, uh, in the U.S. And these are beers that when you put them to your lips are going to taste a lot like a traditional what you have stout except they're going to be very light in color um and so they can be kind of deceiving so light body light color big chocolate coffee kind of roasted smoky flavor as soon as it hits your lips um and this is done with toasted malts amber malts smoked malts um it can also be done with coffee um and again light colored but stout like flavors and that's actually when i usually get one that's most often one i end up getting uh, and it's a little bit of a crap suit i yeah. don't know what i'm going to get at the other end and that, then there's one other thing that usually okay. is you'll see in You'll see a white stout is kind of a white chocolate or white milk stout. And so imagine you are making a imperial coffee, chocolate, lactose stout, and then you just took out all the roasted barley. So you kind of have this imperial, like, you know, strong ale that has, you know, some coffee and um, chocolate flavors that come actually from coffee and chocolate. It may also have, like, kind of a cream-like sweetness uh, or some other, you know, kind of, we'll say, uh, adjunct ingredients to it. So when you go out and you buy a white stout, you could get, theoretically... Any one of these kinds? Any one of these kinds of beers. Um, and, and sometimes you'll see, you know, like a, a name in front of it. So you'll see stout porter, you know, you'll see English style, like, you know, white strong ale or something like that um but most often it's just white stout here's the, the ibus here's the color here's the you know alcohol by volume and you don't know quite what you're going to get yeah i think the one that i would have had would have been the, a coffee chocolate minus all the roasted malts it was uh dark but it wasn't as dark as those normally would be so how do you get all that flavor without the roasted malt 
Like you, if you're to brew you're, one. You're, you're putting in kind of lighter colored, but we'll say roasted or toasted like malt. So you look at like English Amber Malt, um, American Victory, um, and these malts, while they're not really light in color, you know, they're well over 20, love a bond, um, you can still get a golden to yellow color beer by using them in small amounts, especially the Amber and Brown Malt. Um, and they will give you a burnt flavor it might not be the delicate you know chocolate and coffee that you get from a good like english roasted barley or pale chocolate malt but um it will give you some burnt like flavors as well as a little bit of smoke malt in there to give you a little bit of aroma and so you kind of build up out of other not as dark roasted malts or toasted malts you kind of build up this malt profile with it and you also can use your base malt as well we see a lot of people use a vienna or some type of lightly toasted malt in the base of a beer like this um but usually when you see white stout you are talking about that kind of uh that sleeper beer which is looking light in color but big you know roast in flavor mm-hmm. so yeah, I feel like there's got to be some advantage to it. You know what I mean? You can't just be saying I'm trying to cut out the roasted malts. Right. Why would you do that? I mean, there's no like dietary reason and that it's, I can it's, think of. It's not its own genre, right? It's not a BJCP. <clears throat> nope. It's just it's kind of a bit of a specialty beer. Yeah, you definitely. And if you entered it, it would definitely be in that like kind of specialty or like experimental um, style. So. All right. Yeah. I don't expect them to. They've been around for a while. So they're not. And a lot of people are kind of, you know, discovering them, but they've been around for a while. They're not really new. Um, and again, I kind of don't see the point of a lot of them. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know but, what I mean? Um, I really love my roasted barley. Me too. I, um, you go to stouts. I like, for I the, like my Viennas. Yeah. For the know. malts. And to have it without them is just kind of. It's odd. Yeah. And I mean, so it's, I'm not saying that everything has that has the name White Stout is going to be a disappointment. That's not what I'm saying at all. And there's plenty of good beers that call themselves White Stout. But I guess the whole naming thing, give it its own name. It's kind of, it's kind of like the Milkshake IPA. There's no reason why there should be IPA on the, the right. end of that. It's not, you know, anybody who really likes big, hoppy beers probably not going to be their main drag you know people who like fruit smoothies milkshake ipa probably yeah. gonna go over great yeah um, you, you know so you, can you have to like the juicy ipas like those yeah. so um i think the white stout is a little bit of the same for, for those who i guess you really you know you're kind of having the the reverse guinness kind of problem here is that you want to be seen drinking a light beer but you really really love your kind of toasted malty notes this is for you then all right and why would you want that yeah all right then how did you like yours i didn't like it Okay. I, I, I mean, because why did I buy it? Because it was a stout I'd never tried. Turns out it wasn't enough like a stout for me to like it. So, mm-hmm. like and you that's said, what I find with it when I when I when I hear stout and I start to get those smoky notes, I'm just waiting for that nice kind of you know chocolate rich flavor. And using these lighter malts, it almost seems to make it more astringent, more tannic. Yeah. Um, for me, anyways. All right. Uh, Let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about good yeast for warm fermentations. We joked at the beginning of the show that, you know, temperatures in the 90s. So uh, what do you do with that? We'll talk about the good yeasts for that and uh, work chilling in hot weather as well as we're coping with these hot temps, but not complaining. Jeremy White, Bert Deister, Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... 
either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White with Bert Deister. We're down a man today. No no rocket. No rocket. He's he, at home hanging out in the air conditioning. Bert's dog was in studio last week. And, uh, and uh, quite a ruckus. Yes, quite yes. A ruckus. You might not hurt him because he's not a barker, but yeah. he was throwing bones around. Anytime anybody would walk by the door, he wanted to go out and play. Yeah. And so he did catch one bug, though. So. He did. That's right. How did he, uh, How's he like the heat? He doesn't. Yeah, my dog. He doesn't. It's, it's very – he loves the cold. Winter, We've got – Three hours in the backyard, you got to go check on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? He might be buried in the snow out there. Wow. Um, and he's not a long-haired dog. Summer, basement floor. As yeah. soon as it starts to get above 75, basement floor. We've got one dog that lays in the sun and two that don't like it. So we're always moving them around, too. All right, speaking of the heat, good yeast for warm fermentations. If you're brewing now in this kind of weather, you're dealing with some heat, so you want to find some good yeah, ye- yeasts that are good for it. Especially if you don't have that fermentation chamber. Even if you do have the fermentation chamber, you know, getting a good yeast for the, the season will you know make life a lot easier. You won't have to keep the fermentation as cold. You won't get as, uh, as much condensation inside there. And you won't have to chill down as much, which well, the way our tap water is going will become an issue shortly. But I think it's... Uh, a good idea when you get to this warm weather don't think oh i can't brew any beer it's getting too hot it's getting miserable it's better to look at the other way what beers can i not brew when it's too cold and the one i want to bring up here first of all is belgian saison especially if you want to use a traditional belgian saison yeast um because a lot of brewers will pitch it you know in the, the 70s um and it just won't attenuate out there are some yeasts yes that like temperatures above 80 degrees that like temperatures above 90 degrees and that belgian saison is one of them and if you don't ferment it out that warm from pretty early on in the fermentation it will not attenuate and when i say it won't attenuate i'm not talking about it won't get the 85 percent that you might be looking for um it won't get 50 percent you know what i mean it will really attenuate low so as we get into the super hot weather i think it's really important to look at that some of the you know with some of these this is their time to shine and you're actually going to have a lot of problems if you try to do it you know in the colder weather and so belgian saison is the big one belgian saisons are a great beer to kind of clear out the cupboards of any like light specialty malts that you have say if you have some toasted malts some aromatics um some light crystal some you know random flake products uh, you know like a little bit of rye all of that kind of stuff if it's light you know what I mean? If it's an adjunct, um, even if you have some spices, it's appropriate for style. So a saison is a great, you know, kind of, uh, you know, marginal arrow, everybody in the pool, kind of get rid of all your leftover ingredients kind of beer. Kind of like we do with like an imperial stout in the winter. I usually try to get rid of some ingredients with a Belgian saison in the summer. And again, they like it warm. They're ready fast. So when you have a heat wave like this, you can be making this beer and you can be drinking it you know, two weeks down the road and the hot and the furious fermentation, which we talked about 
three or four weeks ago will be a good thing for this yeast because if it starts to slow down, if it starts to stall, it usually just crashes like a rock and doesn't finish out your beer. So Belgian Saison is a big one. Um, the next one is like German Hefeweizens. Uh, if you're trying to get like a good banana flavor, we talked about that being uh, you know, to do a lot with uh, the pitch rate, so try to do a lower pitch rate. If you're still trying to get a good attenuation, you need a fairly warm fermentation on it. So German Hefeweizens, Belgian wheats, and even some American wheats really like the warm temperature. We're not talking about the 80s or in the 90s, but at least we're talking about 75 degrees plus, so that, you know, 70 to 80 range is okay and, in fact, beneficial for a lot of these kind of, you know, Hefeweizen-style yeasts. Um, they're also ready very quick. Um, now there's a lot of beers that you can ferment in the warm weather that aren't ready. So we just talked about two like kind of Belgian styles that are ready very fast and that you can turn around quickly so you can brew one week, serve two weeks later, um, and again the heat will be actually kind of helping you with this. You can also brew a lot of like Trappist style styles. So we're talking like you know triple quads, um, beers like those because they really like the heat. Now they're also high alcohol beers so you want to sit and age them around for a while but if you're trying to brew like the, the perfect you know Christmas triple with like cinnamon and nutmeg now is actually the time to brew it. Not only are you going to get the heat that the yeast want but you're also going to have time to let that beer kind of age out you know five months before we get to the holidays so it actually has some time to settle and mellow and the spices kind of blend into the beer. Um, and so if you're thinking about doing, I know this sounds weird because we haven't even hit 4th of July yet and it's 90 degrees. If you happen to be thinking about your Christmas ale, now is the time to brew it. So if you're looking to brew like a cinnamon kind of, you know, Belgian style strong ale to have around at the holidays, some type of winter warmer, now is actually the time to do it. That's interesting. Though. Like the idea of spiced ales right now is... Thickening. Right, it's, it's odd. It's odd, but it makes sense, right? It's making me kind of sweat and get like kind of a dry mouth just thinking about yeah. it right now. But it is the time you want to brew it, just like you want to brew your pilsners and stuff like that in the cold weather, um, and be drinking them now. You want to be making these, you know, big kind of Christmas beers now, and then drinking them in the colder weather. It mm -hmm. gives them time to sit. A lot of the yeast that we like to use like that warmer fermentation, and so it makes a big difference there. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's another thing you do. So we talked about beers that, you know, fit the style of fermentation in the warm weather. But what if you're trying to make one of your kind of standard house beers, but you don't have fermentation control, and you're not really a big fan of super estuary Belgian yeast? Well, the one thing is whatever you end up pitching, pitch a lot of it. Because if it starts to produce some phenols, it starts to produce some esters, you're going to have less produced overall. So pitch heavy in whatever you do. But there's a lot of yeasts out there that you can ferment. Uh, even if you just like, you know, only brew IPAs, there's a lot of, we'll say, Belgian style yeasts out there that you can use that will ferment clean. Um, and you may not even realize that you have a Belgian ale on your hand. Uh, my favorite two for this are the F33 from Fermentus and the 3522 uh, Ardennes, which is actually kind of like a white ale yeast. Um, the other one is a Trappist style. Both come off clean, both come off dry, um, and both uh, will say kind of end up in more in the, the, the peachy kind of uh, fruit end over the spicy kind of clovey. Um, without going like heavy banana, you know. Um, so what that means is that their flavors, if you're doing a hoppy beer, 
tend to mix in almost perfectly and just kind of blend in and you don't see it again. That's at 33 and 35, 22. Um, and they will handle up to 80 degrees or sometimes a little bit more. And you can actually produce a relatively clean beer, not as much as you would using an English ale at 62 degrees, but a relatively clean beer. And you might even like it more because they tend to have that drier effect, a little bit more finer bubble to it, a little bit more effervescence. And I feel like the ones that I do with a 33 or the 3522 tend to bring out the hop aroma a little bit more. Even though they're creating some more esters themselves, um, they tend to bring more aroma out of the beer. And then last but not least is there's actually a good load of English ales like it over 70 degrees. So if you do have central air, if you do have a, you know, basement, but you're not keeping it, you know, obviously the whole house at temperature for the beer, um, you do have some options here. Um, and even if you think, oh, my house is air conditioned, I would still suggest switching over to one of these um, if you don't have a fermentation chamber, just in case you get spikes. When you leave the house, if the sun hits it through the window, if the air conditioning turns off and a certain room tends to get a lot warmer than the others, um, these will you know, kind of you know, be worth their weight in gold because they won't let a beer kind of ruin on you from a little peak in temperature. Um, the most reliable is the Cooper's Ale Yeast, which is the dry yeast packets that a lot of brewers started with. Um, it comes in a big 15-gram package instead of a 7-gram package. They want you to have that big pitch on a 5-gallon batch, and it does you know, quite well at 75 degrees. Um, and so I think one of the reasons it's recommended for new brewers so much is because of its temperature tolerance and because it's larger packaging size, it really takes off and it starts fermenting clean just about instantly. Um, so if you're trying to do a traditional IPA, you know, blonde, if you're trying to do that clean English style, you know, uh, fermentation, but it's the middle of summer, that Cooper's, again, an Australian English style ale yeast is really going to be right up your alley. But you also have 1099, uh, 1332, 1335 that all are comfortable above 70 degrees. So just because it's getting hot out, um, as long as you can handle the heat and brew, you will be able to find a yeast to handle the heat as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so keep an eye on those temperatures. Just because you decide to go with one of the Ardennes or you know one of these warmer fermenting yeasts doesn't mean you just get to put it away and forget about it. You still want to go check on your temperature. And in fact, for some of those like Belgian saisons and stuff like that, you're going to be making sure that it's warm enough, you know what I mean, in this even this heat wave. And so you might need to move it to an upstairs room or someplace out of the basement to get enough temperature for one of those style, like Belgian Saison or something like that. Yeah. Um, so you have options. If you're trying to brew in this heat, you have options. You don't automatically have to make a Belgian Saison or a Christmas beer, but if you do, it will be better because of the heat. And so I would suggest instead of trying to fight through one of your regular beers that I would say make your Christmas beer now, make a Saison now, or make some type of hybrid Belgian pale ale, you know what I mean, to kind of highlight the season highlight the temperature okay uh how about wort chilling in hot weather i mean it, it's not easy to do when everything is so i mean everything's hot tap water is coming out more yeah hot. we're still a little bit cool so i brewed last weekend and even though it was nice and warm the tap water was still on an okay range but i don't think it's going to be there much longer and this is something you actually probably want to check when you go to start to brew you don't just want to go out there get through the whole brew day and then realize that your tap water is like 75 degrees and you're 
trying to chill down to 65, 60 degrees. And, and that will happen as we get to the summer. Um, so what you need to do is you need to find some way to pre-chill your water. Um, if you're doing like ice baths, this is an issue for you. So if you're doing a concentrated boil, you're bringing inside, putting in a sink in a bath of ice water, this isn't a worry for you. But if you're using a wart chiller, counterflow or immersion, this can be a problem because we're used to just taking, you know, water right from the tap anytime of year around here and it's colder than our pitching temperature. So it's just wash the thermometer until you get to the temperature you want and then shut off the tap water and you're done. But when you get to this warmer weather, what's going to happen is as the water temperature gets closer and closer to your tap water temperature, you're going to kind of hit a wall. And so what you're going to need to do is pre-chill your tap water somehow. So what I usually do is I have two wart chillers. I'll actually use both of them in the beer um, in line, so running from one wart chiller into the other until I get to that wall. Then I'll take the first wart chiller out and I'll put it in a bucket of ice. Before I had two wart chillers, at the end of this, you know, when I hit that same wall, I would take my bottling bucket, I would pour in a bag of happy ice, um, and then I would start running the garden hose into the uh, kind of... Um, into the bottling bucket, letting it run over the ice, and then we'll hook the wart chiller up to the bottling bucket and let that run through there. Um, it takes a fair amount of ice if you're trying to do this from the beginning, so I would wait till you get down to about 80 degrees, 90 degrees before starting to use up your ice. Um, otherwise, you can be using two to three bags of ice to try to chill down a full five-gallon batch. Um, it can get expensive. But if you're willing to get down 80, 90 degrees, then bust out a little bit of ice, never putting it in the beer, always, you know, in a wart chiller or pre-chiller or something like that, um, you can absolutely get your beer down quickly. So you're chilling the water in, through one chiller, and it's going to the next, you're just transferring from the bucket of ice right to the beer. Mm -hmm. Because the conducting of the wart chiller is so, I mean, th that water gets super cooled just the same way that your wart is cooled by super cool water. Yeah. Pretty smart. Yeah. Any of our regular customers are saying, oh, just get a glycol chiller out there. You don't talk to me. Don't. You know? No. I mean, I don't got the space or the time. That's a professional item. I mean, we can all have temperature control. We can all have conical fermenters, but I feel like glycol chillers are just crossing the line. If you have a glycol chiller, I don't know if you're a home brewer anymore. Yeah. Um, but they, they're, there are some folks out there that have them. It would be nice. All right. But, yeah, for the rest of us, it's a trip to the gas station, two bags of happy ice, and you'll be all set. Stay cool out there. Nice and hot this weekend. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.